I'm Ben Amos. Join me as we dive deep into how some of the best in business, marketing, content creation, and education wield powerful and effective stories to engage audiences and drive action. Welcome to Engage With Story. There's somewhat of an urban legend surrounding what it's like to work for companies such as Google, Atlassian, Facebook, and Apple. It conjures up ideas of beanbags, ping pong tables, free food, flexible work hours, and team meetings sitting cross-legged on AstroTurf in an inner city loft. But all jokes aside, it's these stories, both perceived and authentic, that are the groundwork for the strong and appealing company culture at the core of these brands. The stories that are told both internally within the company and externally in the marketplace are a powerful tool to define and communicate a company's culture. In business, from multinationals all the way down to micro-businesses and solopreneurs, there is so much that can be learnt from those brands that are telling consistent company culture stories and living in those stories both day in and day out. But how can us non-Google, non-Atlassian types make use of story to define our company culture and why should we bother anyway? Well, these questions and more were my reason for asking today's awesome guest to be on the show. All the way from Utah in the USA, today's guest comes from an unwavering background in storytelling, which has now led her to be focused on helping people understand story and the impact it has on their lives, both personally and professionally. She's a professional writer with a master's degree in folklore, And her podcast, Love Your Story, explores how embracing your personal story helps define and strengthen your ability to love and respect yourself. I'm really stoked for this chat and I'm pleased to bring you Laurie Lee from loveyourstorypodcast.com. Now, you're going to want to get a notepad and pen for this one as we're going to jump into how your personal story defines your business story, the importance of story in defining and communicating a company culture, we break down some specific story prompts that you can begin to use to use story in your corporate culture. And we talk about the conversation ritual and how that drives engagement in corporate communications. We then go on to explore how folklore in a company can be used for good or for evil and some practical ways to start using story in communicating your company culture right now. Are you ready? Let's get into the show. Laurie, welcome to Engage With Story. Thanks for being here today. Absolutely, Ben. I am so happy to be here with a fellow story appreciator. And all the way from Utah in the United States. So that's very exciting to uh, be going global again. You're our second US guest on Engage With Story, which is awesome. So you're a, you're a professional writer. Um, you've got a master's in folklore. You've written adventure guidebooks. Uh, and now through your podcast, you're, you're exploring how story or how people can use story um, to, to understand the power of story better and in both a business and a personal sense. But, but what we want to do today is really dive into how story defines a company culture. Um, but before we get into that, I'd love to hear where that love of story came from for you. What sparked your interest in story? Well, that becomes a personal journey. 
With my master's in folklore, I've I've always been drawn toward the fairy tales, toward um, Campbell and the myths, and all of that was just interesting. Once I started, though, and my research started heading toward the personal narrative itself, and I started listening to people's stories through research projects, and then taking them apart for structure and for function, the stuff I found was fascinating. I mean, genuinely the way that we say things socially to to pad ourselves, the way that conversation is actually a ritual instead of, you know, just a conversation. And that it all comes really subconsciously, like we're trained from the time we're young how to tell stories. And also that story is this genre that everybody gets. It doesn't matter what country you live in, what um, socioeconomic background you have, what race or culture or, you know, nothing. None of that differentiates when it comes to story. Our minds are just programmed to understand story, to remember through story, to teach with story. So it becomes a super powerful medium. So as I was working on my research and my master's degree and realizing what this held, there just became a really deep-seated wonder and interest in it. And then it it gets a little personal with as I was trying to decide what to do with my doctorate degree, I was thinking, what questions do I still have that I want answered? And what that looked like for me was I wanted to know if other people's lives had turned out the way that they expected them to. Because mine mine really hadn't. Yeah. And because of that, I... I started a research project and I knew the name of it right off the bat. It was love your story because I didn't love my story. And I wanted to find out if other people did love their story. I had been married um, three times and divorced and telling people that was had a sense of shame involved. I come from a culture and religion where family is very important. And so even telling that story had a sense of embarrassment about it. And I wanted to find out how many other people had disjointed stories that they weren't really proud of or that there was some amount of shame in. And as I started looking around and doing the research on that, I found that 19 out of 20 of the research subjects said their lives had not turned out, that their stories hadn't turned out how they had expected. Yeah. And then I went through a whole year of emotional intelligence training where I really came to actually love my story through a process of emotional intelligence work and the two of those together just the love of the personal narrative and then the the actually getting to a place where I answered my questions and learned how to love and be at peace with my story made me want to combine those and that's where my love your story podcast came together and that's where the work moving forward of helping people find these tools in business and in their personal lives to really utilize the incredible tool that story is because it's a phenomenal tool when you start understanding how to use it. Yeah. And I think what you've touched on there is the power of story in a personal life is something that is, is interwoven in, into story in a business sense, or it should be because business is about people it's about relationships. And I think if you, um, you know, understand how to, how to live your story or, or how to love your story in a personal sense, then I think that's absolutely going to help you in a business sense as well. And, you know, I think we could, you know, potentially take this, this chat about story in so many different ways with you, um, with your, uh, with your understanding of story and, and where, where you've been exploring it. But today what I want to do is, is to bring it down into that business sense. And 
like I said, I think business and personal is, is very interwoven and so should the story be. But from a business point of view, what do you think is the power or importance of story in a, in a company? Well, first of all, I want to say you're right on that the personal we are we are personal before we're anything else. And when we go into the business world, our personal story goes with us. So yeah. absolutely, those are an incredibly close tie. It's an astute observation. The importance of story in business, though, is phenomenal. And within the last decade, it's been it's been a trend that the larger companies, I won't even say larger, but many companies are starting to invest time and money into consultants and training for their people on the importance of story and on how to use story. And, you know, throughout history, there was a space where way back we always use story, you know, evolution through evolution, you know, we sat around the campfires and we we wrote story on the wall. Then we use story to train and teach and to warn each other. And then we get into the industrial revolution. And, and for a time, it was all about facts and figures and not bringing in the subjective or the personal because that wasn't professional. And now we've come back to a different space where it becomes incredibly important to start connecting. People buy and are involved now because of connection, because they believe in something, because the company they want to work with has the same value system that they do or a similar value system. These are very popular approaches to to company culture, to even hiring people. The millennials are very concerned with, you know, money and benefits are important, certainly, but equally on that, we've found that the millennials are concerned with company culture and they're setting a social media story all the time, every day. And if they're working for someone whose culture doesn't align, whose values don't align with theirs, they can move to somebody else who doesn't because that, that, that doesn't gel with their story. So it becomes really important moving forward and also simply just because it's an incredibly powerful tool. Like we said before, it's the genre that everybody gets. So to be a powerful leader, a powerful manager, you can set really clear boundaries when you tell a story that shows an employee or management doing something that you value because then everybody sees it. Everybody understands it's not subjective anymore. You can say, um, Quality assurance is really important to us as a company. And that can be in your vision statement. It could be on the wall. It can be something that, you know, everybody says and sort of in the background. But yeah. when at business meetings, you start telling stories that show that quality, you creating quality and living up to quality and promoting quality. And there are actual stories that show management, that show employees living up to that and show the, the company celebrating that then you've really communicated and you've shown and given boundaries to the other people so that they know what to do. It's no longer arbitrary. It's no longer subjective. You have a, you, you have a story that outlines what's okay. And what do you think has shifted in, in, I guess, culture or in people or millennia, used millennials in, as an example there, but, but what do you think's caused that shift from away from facts and figures and back towards story again? Is it just, uh, you know, people just having enough of, of not communicating through story, do you feel? And that's why stories become back, um, I guess, back in vogue or, or seen as more powerful in, in, in corporate culture these days? Or, or what do you believe shifted that? 
You know, I think that's a great question. I don't know that I'm the right person to ask. I can I can guess. To me, it just makes sense, right? I think we can that all, we can all just guess. <laughs> What's your guess? <laughs> my guess is that we're getting more authentic with social media, with the fact that we have so many platforms that everybody has a voice on that who gets to say what is no longer regulated. There's a great sense of authenticity that comes with that. People of of all socioeconomic standing, of all races, of all cultures, anyone who has access to a computer or a cell phone now has a platform in which to speak. And because of that, and you can connect with more people, you can say more, there's an authentic need. And I also think we become smarter and we become more advanced. And the fact that story is so obviously a connector, is so obviously a clarifier, is so obviously a way to communicate that touches everybody, you know, that can be powerful. We're just getting smart enough to come back to it, you know, relaxing into an authentic state of actual connection that I think is driven by the whole technology. Yeah, I think that there's a a yearning, like like you you've said there. It's it's human nature to react to stories and to engage with stories, and you know I really feel that that yearning, that desire for story, um, was or has become you know so apparent today in the way that people interact online in particular and the way they interact with brands and businesses. And a lot of that has to do with that human nature and the more traditional method of communicating from a brand or from a a company is much more about a one-way communication of we tell you what we want you to hear about us. Mm -hmm. But as we've become more interconnected online and through social media and just the way that we uh, expect to be able to interact with businesses is it's much more of a two-way conversation and if brands or businesses are simply telling us something rather than uh, you know telling us stories or, or sharing stories with us then we're going to turn off it's not going to work mm. so did you just say that telling us stories wasn't going to work no, no. So if they're just simply uh, telling us what they want us to hear rather than uh, mm. communicating stories, which um, requires the, p- the person who's being communicated to, to in- engage and connect with that story. That's a very mm. different form of, of, of communication, which I think as we've talked about, is much more, more powerful. So, you know, how do you, how do you see, or, or what are some tools perhaps that companies can use to, to think about using story to communicate what matters to their company. So what their company culture is. So do you have any specific tools or techniques or ways that businesses can go about this? Sure. I have a workshop actually, it's called the story Launchpad workshop. And we do specifically that where we, we spend the day rolling up our sleeves and start digging up those stories because oftentimes, you know, companies can know theoretically that, yeah, it would be a great idea to, use their stories, but they don't have the time. They're doing their thing. You know, they just don't make the time to stop, figure out what their stories are and then figure out how they strategically want to use them. So that's what they do. We do in this workshop, but the tools that we use are to stop and figure out specific stories. So what's your origin story is a big one. What are your value stories? That's the next one. What's your vision stories? And there are story prompts that I ask that I can 
you know, it, it gets your mind going. And the nature of story is, is fascinating too. And it's good to do this in a group if, if you're looking to do it, because the nature of story is something that where when one person tells a story, the other people who are listening, their brain automatically scans for where they can hook into that story. I mean, this is the, this is the conversation ritual and subconsciously we're all doing it, but nobody's, nobody's really ever aware that they're doing it. But as soon as we find a place where we can hook in with this story, let me share an example. So when I was doing my thesis research, I was listening to stories in the outdoor recreation industry and we were out in a yurt and there were a couple, we were, we were biking, we'd come back, we were just sitting around talking. So there's a group and one guy is talking about how he, his grandfather, his grandparents really enjoy his company and that he spends a lot of time with them and that they always call him to come and do things and went into a whole story about this. Well, everybody else that's standing around listening is automatically, their brain is scanning for where can I connect with what this person is saying? Mm. And in this case, the gentleman who decided to speak up after his story, he connected in with the fact that, oh, hey, old people really like me too. And then he went off on his story. And his story was how he had, when he was in college, how an old, an older gentleman had hired him, an older professor to help him, to assist him in his home. And then he went into the whole story about that. But he could have connected anywhere. He could have connected on a story about his grandparents. He could have connected about, you know, connecting with people in general. But he had a specific story about another interaction with an older individual. So that's where the conversation went to. Well, it's the same way in groups when you're looking to find stories. If you're in groups and you start using these story prompts, one person tells a story. So a story prompt might be something like, tell me about a time that you saw someone acting with the value of customer service in a really remarkable way. So somebody pipes up and, and shares a story or any story that comes up. But then the other people, while that story is going on, are going to be thinking, and doing that subconscious thing of how can I connect in with this story and what ideas does that prompt? So it sort of snowballs. You get that snowball effect. And pretty soon, lots of people can be telling stories and adding to. And then you just sort through those stories and find out which ones are most valuable to you in illustrating the values that you really want to illustrate. Because the power of these stories is that you reuse them. And that means that you you tell them in your marketing campaigns, you tell them in your sales meetings, you tell them on video, right? You, you tell these stories so that they can show examples of what you stand for and what you value and why that matters. But you need to know who you're trying to communicate with and which values you're trying to reiterate. And then you dig for those stories and you find them. Yeah. And would you say that to, to start this process that you, you need to start with an idea of what those values are that you want to be finding stories about oh, like customer service or, or do stories uncover what those values are? Like which, which way is it chicken or the egg? You know, that's, that's an interesting question. I think you come to it with, these are the three values that I want to accentuate, right? Like it's really important to me that I, I'm good with contracts and that I'm protecting my clients and customer service is really important to me and speed of the deal. I can get the deal done really quick, right? These are the three things that I want to focus on. And then you build the story groups around finding stories about these things. But here's the thing is if you state that these are your values 
let's just say easy values like customer service and beating the the competitor's price, and then you can't find any stories about those things, then you have to go yeah. back and reevaluate and say, are those really our values? If we yeah. don't have any tales that actually show us living up to them, which is also an eye opener because then you get to go back and reevaluate how you do business, you know? Do you need to change up a lot of things? Yeah, and you went through that process, you might uncover something else that's actually a more true value, um, more like reflects your company culture much more closely which is going to be huge for, for staff and for, for your outgoing appearance of your company to your clients as well. Well, yeah, because you need to be clear on it. If you're not clear on it, how, you know, how can your employees be clear on it? How can your customers be clear on it? So yeah, certainly an adventure. If you, if you haven't ever looked closely at it to start digging through that and stories would be an excellent way to do that. So you, you're a big um, advocate of getting your, your staff, your team, I guess maybe your leadership team involved in, in this process of uncovering stories within the company culture to help define the company culture through you know, perhaps those story prompts and, and so on. Uh, how, I mean, in, in many organizations, in larger organizations, I imagine you can't get everyone involved in that process or can you? That's part of my question. And the second part of the question then is if you're trying to, if you've defined this company culture through story, how do you get everyone within your team to live up to that or to buy into that or to come along on that journey? I think you can do whatever you want. You know, if you have a huge business and you, part of what you want to do is to have employee involvement, then yeah, you can involve all the employees in the process. You can do big workshops where you break into groups and everybody has a say and you really dig through to find out, hey, what, you know, boots on the ground, what does this look like? What do the other members of the team, the other employees think are our values? You know, so if you're just starting and trying to find things, that's probably a really good place to go. In fact, company culture is something that is created whether you create it on purpose or not. It is something that is inevitable. And this is this is fascinating because with folklore, folklore is what we do and pass on to one another unofficially. So a meme could be folklore, right? It has a traditional aspect, but it's also things that we care enough about unofficially that we pass on amongst each other. So when we go in and actually do, actually do cultural research within different cultures around the world, when folklorists do, it's very much not about looking at management. It's very much about spending time with the people quietly watching what actually matters and what, mm. what matters enough to them that they pass it along. You know, it, it's very, when people are in any kind of an autocratic or subversive space where they're not in control they will still find ways to passively exert their power and their control. And watching that from a ethnographic research perspective is fascinating because you will always find out what really matters. And there can be a lot going on that management does not know about. So certainly employees at all levels of a business have important things to contribute. What was the second part of your question again? I guess it was if you can't involve everybody in your in your organization how do you then filter through or filter down into your the layers of your organization that company culture that that you're wanting to to define 
I think that's up to you to decide. Some of the main things that come to mind is, you know, I don't know if you guys in Australia have the same, well, I'm sure you don't have the same ads, but we have a tire company here called Les Schwab, and they had a whole ad campaign for probably a whole year. And they had just taken stories of that their customers had written in about, and they, and they solicited them, but stories of, remarkable customer service aspects or remarkable customer service um, interactions that their employees had had with their stores all over the country. And then they did video. They, they created the story. They did the video and they used those as their ads to reiterate that customer service was an important value of theirs. Well, company-wide, if you're trying to define your company culture, the thing that is so powerful is to communicate that and how you decide to do that is up to you creating videos that everybody can watch right that you send out to your employees that you use in meetings that you use in ads um, newsletters where you're sharing the stories that define what you're about i mean however you communicate with your company is where you start figuring out that's part of your strategizing you know how do you as a company communicate with the employees throughout your company, and then you start sharing the stories through those venues. Yeah, I guess it's like not so much about just telling people this is what you need to believe or this is our mm -hmm. culture, get on board. It's more about allowing them to experience that, uh, that emotional connection or that, that through feeling the through the story. Yeah. And that's the power of story, isn't it? Particularly in defining mm -hmm. company culture in this way that we're talking about. So yeah, that's, that's really cool. So I just want to kind of circle back just briefly on, on some of the process to define that company culture. And you talked about using story prompts in group situations to hear the stories, the real stories of, of your people. Um, is there further steps there in, in bringing that down into, you know, a definition of a company culture or, or do you just simply take those stories and filter out the, the the best ones um, and make them part of your part, part of your company storytelling? I think it depends on what, what your company culture is and that's for you to decide. You can either let it create on its own through the management styles and the employee responses and the stuff that just naturally goes on. We talked about how it's going to be there no matter what, or you can purposefully frame it. And depending on how you want to purposefully frame it is going to depend on what that looks like. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess it's about identifying and defining those stories first mm -hmm. um, and then filtering through and aligning those stories with what you or, or your leadership or executive team feel represents the company yeah. culture that they they want to represent and then using Absolutely. those stories in a various different ways. Like you said, there's multiple ways you can use those stories, but making those stories central to, um, to the company culture and the way you communicate it is, is that pretty much it? Yeah. Well, and company culture has a lot of aspects to it. You know, for some people, company culture these days is about beer and ping pong tables, right? Like, or they, you know, the real open, flat working space where everybody's desks are open. It's no longer just the cubicles, right? I mean, there's a whole different um, energy and stuff that's going on with that um, unilevel type of thing. And the dinner's on the roof and, you know, 
lunches with certain groups and, you know, company cultures can be about all kinds of things. So first of all, you have to define what do you want your company culture to look like? And then you figure out what your values are and see if your origin story is a story that's going to help define you to your people. And let's look at the origin story for just a moment, right? So the origin story of, let's say, Starbucks, right? Starbucks origin story is how three college guys get together. Um, Mr. Pete's in 71 gives a, you know, shows them some great equipment, some great products. They decide to put their money into this. They, they name the company after the first mate in Moby Dick and they, they throw everything in together because they found a really good quality product. Well, they can, they can form this story. Starbucks can form this story. And then at the end they say, you know, this company was started because we found quality coffee. That's what we're about. And that's still what we're about today, right? And then if they were to use this story and that was a story that was well known and it was, you know, on plaques and it was told in, in sales meetings or management meetings, then it gives, it begins to give everybody roots as to what we're about. Yeah. We're not going to move away from the quality coffee thing because we're trying to serve 5 billion people, that's important to us. That's where we came from. That's what's important to us. That's what we're going to stick by. And just with that one little story, depending on, you know, how well they reproduce it and communicate it to everybody, everybody gets roots and, and knows where you're coming from. So your origin story can be used in a number of ways to really get everybody centered on where you come from. And then your value stories are used to define what you expect of the people that are working there, but you're showing examples of it. So when a CEO comes in and says, hey, customer service first, everybody park at the back of the parking lot so the customers can park up close. And then on a rainy day, he parks up close and says, yeah, well, um, yeah, this, this is an experience. This is a, a situation where yeah. I didn't want to ruin my suit, right? Yeah, right. Then, then it, he's completely invalidated what that value is. On the other hand, if he parked clear across the parking lot in the back, like he told everyone else to, and he runs in despite the fact that he's ruined his suit, then they've got a story that they can retell over and over. And they know that no matter what, the customer comes first. And even on a rainy day, even if you ruin your thousand dollar suit, you're still going to run across hundred yards of rain because the customer comes first. So you've shown a value rather than just stated, Hey, our value is customer service. Right. Yeah. So, so those begin to really, um, define, create roots, define what you're about and how you decide to communicate that and how you decide to create that package that share that is going to be different for everybody, depending upon what they want their company culture to be. And if it's about the ping pong tables and the beer, because part of their company culture is making everybody have a really good time, right? Like they want an open creative atmosphere and they want innovation and they want, you know, then you find your stories around that go along that support that open platform beer and ping pong tables and innovation, right? So first of all, you've got to figure out what it is you want to create. And then you go about creating it with your story. Yeah. So you've talked about the, the origin story, the values story, and you've also mentioned the vision story. Can you run us through that briefly as well? The vision story is 
super fun because it keeps everybody, you know, it's like that shiny red bicycle that the little kid sees in the store window, right? And he's got to collect pop cans and save his allowance and mow lawns to buy it. But because he can see what it is he's working for, then he has that picture of that shiny red bicycle in his mind. And oftentimes with projects or in companies, everybody doesn't know exactly what they're going for. They know what their job is, you know, they know maybe what they're supposed to do today, but they probably, you know, possibly don't know the details of what the larger vision is. The vision story is a space of asking, what does our company look like a year from now or five years or 10 years, whatever it is for you guys. But what does our company look like a year from now? What are our competitors saying about us? What are our customers saying about us? What is different than what we've got going on now? And what does management look like? How do our employees feel? You know, what's the vision? Where are we headed to? Where are we at now? And then what does it look like when we get to Utopia? And then building that vision and sharing in. And then when you have downtimes, when your team, you know, hits a roadblock, you can revisit that vision and it's easier to stand back up and keep going for it. And it's also easier to work in a team atmosphere than a I'm out for myself when everybody's on the same page about a vision. I immediately think about Elon Musk's various companies when it comes to vision stories. Like, I guess... 100% of his employees buy into the vision for where he's wanting to take those companies. And, uh, and that's what keeps them motivated and and drives their company culture for sure. It, yeah. When you know where you're going and what you're working for and that you're a part of something, those are powerful emotions. People function well when they feel like they have control, they function much better when they can see where they're headed. And when there's hope, vision stories create hope and clarity. Yeah, cool. Just to wrap up here today, like we've talked quite a bit about company culture and using story to define that in, I guess, larger organizations or multiple people organizations. But what about those solopreneurs out there or those people who are like, well, that's all well and good, but it's just me. How do I define (laughs) my company culture or do I need to? Or how does that work for me? You know, I honestly think that it's the same thing. It's just a lot easier when it's one person. I sat down and I, you know, in a Word document, I wrote out, what's my origin story? And it's a couple pages long, but I wrote out where it came from and why it came from. What what were the questions and the thoughts and the concerns that led me down my path to the creation of the Love Your Story podcast and the Love Your Story movement, the Love Your Story trainings, right? And then my vision story, where do I see myself a year from now? And then I create that vision story for myself. And that vision story actually becomes really valuable as a solopreneur because you're doing so much every day, all the time, right? And half the time you're just getting bowled over by all the things that there are to do and all the things you're supposed to do. And, and when you can keep that vision in mind and go back to it, you know, maybe you read it the first thing every morning when you wake up. So you remember what matters and you remember what doesn't. And you also stay motivated toward, toward what you're looking for, toward what you want. The vision statement becomes really powerful for um, solopreneurs and the values I think are huge because usually when you start something and you can tell me if it's this way for you, Ben, but usually when you start a project, there's a reason that you do it right. You're trying to create something Um, for me. I, I want to create love and empowerment and be 
belief in people to believe in themselves, people to understand their stories well enough that they are inspired, that they are empowered, that they can do great things because they come to understand the tool that story is. Well, when I know what my values are and that's what I'm looking for, then when I'm hit with a difficult situation, for instance, you know, the guy who edits my podcast, you know, he gets tired or he's behind schedule and I'm irritated or testy about it. And I go back and I think, but you know, my value isn't to be selfish. My value is for this project to create love, to create fun, you know, to, to be something that creates a positive energy in the world, not, not something that, um, get sort of drugged down and around because of the, the circumstances. And so then I get to revisit that, you know, how am I treating people? Am I actually creating with my movement and my podcast, the things that I'm trying to help other people create. And so knowing what your values are and what you're trying to create, I think also keeps you really on track of where you're at and how you yeah. treat people and you know, what you want to, what you want to do. Yeah. Really well said. So live your story and love your story. And that is the name of your podcast too, Love Your Story Podcast. Um, yeah. People can find that on iTunes. Where else can people find, find you and learn more about you, Lori Lee? You know, I would love to have you go to the website. It's www.loveyourstorypodcast.com. We have all the episodes are there. All the blog posts are there. Um, information about the workshops. There's um, a free e mini ebook on how to reframe your stories. And of course, there's the contact page where you can tell me about your story. You can write me about whatever you want. And we answer all of our emails. So it's easy to stay in touch. Um, loveyourstorypodcast.com. And, you know, love for you to listen to the podcast and enjoy it. Hopefully you find some inspiration and empowerment. Lori Lee, thank you very much. I just, I've really enjoyed this chat. It's been awesome. And uh, connecting with another, another friend in Utah. So that's awesome. Look, thanks very much for being on Engage With Story. It's been fun. And everybody go over and check out Love Your Story Podcast, loveyourstorypodcast.com. Lori, thanks for your time. Thanks, Ben. So happy to be here. Thanks for the chat. Okay, so I don't know about you, but for me, there were so many takeaways from that chat with Laurie Lee to really get me thinking about the stories that we're creating, recognizing and living into in my business and with my own team. So I'd love to hear what your takeaways were from that episode. Leave a comment or tweet me at Engage Ben. And remember the show notes for this episode, including all the links to Laurie and the Love Your Story podcast is over at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode six. Hey, have you subscribed on iTunes yet? I'd love you to. And if you can spare a moment, can you leave a review on iTunes as well? And if you are subscribed, you'll be one of the first to get access to next week's episode where we're talking to a, a, an awesome guest who's talking all about using story to build your influence online. And this great guest was actually named number 12 globally in the top 100 digital marketers on Twitter. So you won't want to miss that one. And as always, to end the episode with a quote, this time from the inimitable Jay Beer from Convince and Convert, he says, if your stories are all about your products and services, that's not storytelling. That's a brochure. Give yourself permission to make the story bigger. All right, I appreciate you and look forward to sharing more with you next week.